Uh, cool. Well, hi, everybody. This is Michael. Um, I'm here with Emily Ansonic and KY's Denti. We are uh, getting ready for episode 305. How are y'all doing? Good. Yeah. I'm loving it. Cool. Cool. So it, we were just talking about storms. You guys are dealing with storms and stuff right now? Uh, the remnants of what will be the bomb cyclone hitting farther north. Yeah. But. We've got the tail end here in uh, North Carolina with the weather change and all the winds, but not too bad. Cool. It was very windy today. Very. Yeah. Which yeah. is her joke about blustery Washington, D.C. Um, <laughs> politician right here. Ah, nice. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of hot air. Um, well, cool. Well, well, y'all are kind of the lead in the uh, Veterans Day skit um, that we have today. And, and Emily, you wrote that one. So maybe you can kind of just tell us a little bit about what you had in mind when, when you were writing that. Yeah, so I wanted to do something that was a little bit different. Um, Veterans Day, obviously, is an important holiday, but something we don't always um, talk about or write about. And I really wanted to do a spoofs of parades because it makes absolutely no sense for a radio show to narrate a parade. Um, and there's a couple things like it addresses my biggest pet peeve um, in parades as a former uh, marching band member <laughs> um, and stuff. So I had a lot of fun writing this because I really tried to hit the cadence of, you know, reporters and people who cover um, parades, uh, what that looks like. So I hope you enjoy it. I, th I had fun writing it because yeah. I was able to pull back a lot of, I called Michael and was like, okay, what haven't we talked about in a long time? Like what businesses and things like that. So that was fun to pull that. So hopefully you all remember some of the references that are made throughout. Yeah, the throwbacks and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and one thing that I think that I, I noticed about it and that I liked and appreciated is that there's both the kind of, you know, the silly goofy, like we're talking about all these other things. And, and there's also like a serious, like, actually like hey actually thank you veterans you know yes I, so yeah so the spoof is of parades itself it is because i was clarifying this i was explaining this to my family they're like you're making fun of veterans i said absolutely not <laughs> we are like but we're honoring veterans we're making fun of the fact that they're like just parades in general um and so just like spoofing that um so yeah because i tried anytime it was veterans were mentioned directly that it was done respectfully um so yeah um. But yeah, you're yeah. right about the coverage on any parades. I mean, it's great that we're having parades and we're celebrating, but yeah. it's, you just want to hear the band. You know, yeah. Right. Oh, and then you're right. Here, reporter, I'm in the face. Wait, let me see the float. Get out of the way. Why bother watching? But yeah. yeah. And it's always it's, it's always like the same people, like like Ryan Seacrest and Mario Lopez and yeah. Maria Menounos and stuff. How do I know that many people? I don't um, know, but there's a reason why I stopped watching the Rose Bowl parade. Um, and so so I pulled some of my like annoyances from how the Rose Bowl parade is covered. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I wish yeah. there was a C-SPAN for parades. Oh, but they just like <laughs> set a camera and let it go. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll be our new, new TV production company um, where we just set cameras and walk away. Um, well, cool. Well, thanks y'all so much. Uh, I'm excited. What do you say we play the episode? Let's yeah. do it. Sounds great. Enjoy, everybody. Enjoy. It's a beautiful sunny morning in downtown Jollyville, a perfect day for the annual Pat Penderson's Party Supplies Veterans Day Parade. 
I'm Carrie Gardner, and I'm here with the one and only Julia Stonewash, bringing you the play-by-play of what is sure to be the best parade ever. That's right, Carrie. This is my fifth Veterans Day parade, and boy, do I look forward to this every year. I'm so excited to be here with you and the rest of Jollyville as we celebrate our great heroes. Thanks, Julia. For those of you at home just now realizing that it's not Veterans Day, you are correct. After the chaos of the Jollyville State Fair and Malakoff Renaissance Festival being accidentally scheduled at the same time, the city adjusted the schedule out of an abundance of a caution. Yes, the official statement from the Chamber of Commerce reads, the Jollyville State Fair was a great success and we appreciate all who attended given the unfortunate scheduling error with the Malakoff Renaissance Festival. While the combined events brought in the largest attendance on record, we want to ensure that we do our due diligence and not schedule this beloved parade over anything that may come from our community out of enormous respect for our veterans. Well, I can say for sure that nothing else is happening in town because everyone is here. Actually, I hope somebody is listening. Hi, birthday boy. That's my cat. I know he always listens in. The parade kicks off with the Grand Marshal making their way towards the grandstand. Ah, yes. It's the president of the VFW, a veteran of two wars. This legendary figure in our community is well-deserving of the title of this year's Grand Marshal. It should be noted that all the flowers you see here today are provided by Jock Kennedy's floral arrangements. He and his crew do such a good job making sure all of our heroes are decked out in only the brightest red, white, and blue flowers around. I didn't know they made blue flowers. They sure do, Carrie. And here comes the first float. It's Dr. Palantine and the rest of the Chipperton Chompers Dental Clinic. Yes, the Chipperton Chompers Dental Clinic has been providing Jollyville and its residents cleanings and root canals since 1947. As long as they don't know about how much Halloween candy I've had, I think we'll all be set. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Carrie, you and your crazy antics. Now we have the Jollyville Brass Quintet playing a medley of military marches. I don't believe I've ever heard that military march before. No, it appears that the Jollyville Brass Quintet is showcasing their set list for their upcoming Christmas show. It feels like the holidays keep creeping up further and further each year. Agreed. Next thing you'll know, Santa is trick-or-treating. Let's check in with our reporters on the ground. Brian Green and Uncle Asar Al-Kabalon. Hey, Brian, man. How cool is this? We're just two hip cats kicking back, talking smack about floats and marching bands, and everybody's listening to us like we're E.F. Hutton. Yes, Asar. It's a nice recognition of our status as respected elders of the community. Say what? Elders? Man, you tripping. I'm sure we won't let them down. Thank you, Brian and Asar. They will be providing flavorful commentary for today's Veterans Day Parade, brought to you by Pat Penderson's Party Supplies. And now it's the salad, salads, ice cream, and ice cream salad, salad bar float. The float is called the Many Flavors of Service, honoring the true diversity of our service members across the six branches. And it appears that salads, salad, ice cream, and ice cream, salad, salad bar is giving away coupons to everyone. A free scoop of salad ice cream or a small ice cream flavored salad of their choosing. Veterans get double. What a generous offer indeed. 
How kind, but let's be honest, no one's going to get ice cream flavored salad. Okay, but have you had their Caesarpolitan? Before we introduce our next band, the station is asking that we apologize for talking over the last band. We know that happens all the time, and we will not talk through this one. Yes, listeners, we wouldn't want to ruin your listening experience. This musical group is our very own Jollyville Firefighters. They sing sea shanties while protecting our great city. I'm so glad that our listeners can hear this jam of a performance without us talking over it. I agree. Now, did you know that over half of our brave firefighting crew are veterans? I did not know that. How impressive. As you may remember, they sing sea shanties as a form of bonding and was developed by one of their own as a way to keep their spirits up. I remember hearing about them during the bubble bath factory explosion. Oops, we've done it again. We talked right over it. So sorry about that. Yeah, man. So I was thinking maybe radio was was better than TV for broadcasting parades. You know what I mean? Know what I'm saying? Uh, don't you mean like uh, back in the day when radio was mainstream? Well, at least I'm not using a rotary phone like some people I know, present company included. Hmm. Dude, the point I was making is, folks trying to see the parade and all the decorations and costumes and you know all the colorful stuff, then bam! Some reporter's mug is all up in your grill on the TV and you can't see nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so annoying. You just want to yell, shut up and show me the float. So I guess nowadays it's like, shut up and let me hear the song. What on earth was that? That would be Jollyville resident Jensen Mutton doing a flyover with a sop with camel. While unplanned and slightly heart attack inducing, the machine he is flying is an exact replica of the prop planes used in World War I. Nifty, what an unusual way to honor our veterans. On to our final float, Dr. Volution's Clinical Hypnosis Studio presents their float titled Salute to Our Troops. The Dr. Volution Clinical Hypnosis Practice is located next to the Hot Tub Emporium and can help anyone work through things like smoking cessation, weight loss, and sleep disorders. Brian and Asar, what is it that they're throwing? It's candy. They're throwing candy. Oh, I just caught one. Kettle corn. Asar. You better be careful with that stuff from Dr. Volution. You know your reactions to those food additives can really change as you age. As I age? Really? Am I the one wearing orthopedic shoes? Oh, you're calling me old? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hold on a second, Grandpa. I think I'm going to go buy a hot tub. Back to you, Julia and Carrie. Anyway, uh, since this is the last float, how are you going to spend the rest of your Veterans Day? Not sure exactly. But I know it will include a hot tub. Huh. Well, that's all, folks. This has been another successful Veterans Day Parade sponsored by Pat Penderson's Party Supplies. They provide anything you need to make sure your Veterans Day celebration is worthy of a four-star general. A heartfelt thank you to all our veterans out there and their military families. We appreciate the sacrifice you have made for our country. We wouldn't be where we are without your service. I'm Carrie Gardner, reporting with Julia Stonewash for KJVR Jollyville Radio. Hey 
this is Gabrielle Chevalier with Green Spaces in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and you're listening to Jollyville Radio on KJBR. Supportive. Supportive. Regenerative. Regenerative. Elevating. Elevating. Introducing the all-new line of luxury scaffolding from the designer Robert Cheerful Scaffolding. For KJVR in Jollyville, I'm Carrie Gardner. Last month, as you are aware, the Jollyville State Fair and Malakoff Renaissance Festival were tragically double booked at the same venue. Due to the ensuing chaos, coverage of certain events needed to be saved for later. And later, as it happens, is now. Please enjoy pre-recorded coverage of the Lumberjack Contest, hosted by Harry Lachette. Thanks, Carrie. I'm here in this small outdoor ring where the Renaissance Festival and the State Fair groups have graciously agreed to share their time and space for their Lumberjack Contests. As you can imagine, each group has some quite different events considering the differences in tools available. We've already had this sawing competition and a couple of the competitors have agreed to help us with some descriptions and commentary on the remaining events. First, I'd like to introduce Lord Bodak, who is a member of the winning team from the Renaissance Festival two-person Swede saw event. Welcome, Lord Bodak. My very great pleasure, Monsieur Lechak. It was simply awe-inspiring to see you win the Swede Saw event in just over a second, Lord Bodak. Can you please fill in our listeners a little bit about that? I'd be delighted to. For the two-person Swede Saw event, we're required to use a two-handled manual saw to cut off a one-inch slab from the end of a 12-inch square timber. All the teams get in starting position with their saws resting on top of the timber. When the starter strikes the drum, sawing begins. And the winner is the team who slice hits the ground first, according to the judge. It was amazing to watch. It looked to me like your team won with just three strokes of the saw. 1.3 seconds from start to end. Just awesome. Why, thank you, my good sir. It was actually four strokes. It was fun to have the state fair judges use their high-precision timer to give us the exact winning time. Of course, we don't normally have that at a Renaissance festival. Again, just amazing, Lord Bodak. We'll come back to you in a few minutes for some description of the upcoming log chopping event, if you don't mind. But now, I'd like to introduce Angie Fottenbrough, who is the winner of the State Fair Hot Saw event. Welcome, Angie. Thank you very much, Eric. Those hot saws are just jaw-dropping, Angie. Not to mention ear-splitting. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about them and about the Hot Saw event? Why, sure. In the hot saw event, the competitors use souped-up chainsaws running on alcohol and methyl hydrate fuel mixes. Each competitor is allowed to warm up their saw, but then they have to turn it off and set it on the ground below the timber stand. Just like in the Renaissance Fair sawing event, there is a 12-inch square timber. The competitors take position with their hands on the saws, and when the starting pistol goes off, They have to start their saws and then cut three one-inch slices off the timber, up, down, up. Judges at each station time when the third slice hits the ground. This spectacle is just out of this world. 
deafening roar of the saws, wood chips flying everywhere, and smoke so thick you can barely see. And fast. I believe you won with a time of just 1.4 seconds. Is that right? That's right. I know it's a completely different event, but does it bother you at all that the winning time on the manual sweet saw is faster than the hot saw time? Well, I'm quite sure I would have beat the time if I hadn't had that tiny bottle on the starter cord. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that would have done it. Well, a remarkable performances from both of you. Now, it looks like we're getting set up for this State Fair water boil event. Angie, would you like to tell us how this event works? Angie? Uh, it seems she's gone off on an errand of some sort. Uh, Lord Bwadak, I know this isn't a Renaissance Festival event, but do you know anything about it? Oh, dear. I, I have heard about it, uh, though I'm a little vague on the details. Uh, let, let me try, though. Uh, each team of two is given a, a propane torch, some gasoline. No! 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 Sorry for running off like that, but I realized I had volunteered to distribute the kennel to each of the competitors. Anyway, in this event, each pair of competitors is given some kennel a large log, two matches, and a tin can half full of soapy water. The can is suspended 12 inches above the ground. When the starting gun sounds, one competitor starts a fire under the can using the kindling and matches while the others chops wood off the large log to build up the fire and keep it going. The first team to boil their water wins. That sounds so exciting. But how do the judges know when the water boils? Oh, the soap and the water just foams up over the top of the can, so it's really obvious. Hey, something looks a little funny about that kindling. They're off! Wow, look at them go. There's already smoke rising from the kindling, and most teams have already chopped a great set of increasing size pieces of the log. The real trick here is to get some decent-sized pieces going without smothering the small fire. I'm sure those markings on the kindling pieces are familiar. Unbelievable. The team on the left already has flames licking up above the top of the can. If they can add perfectly sized pieces at this point, it should just take a few more seconds. Wait, I know. I've seen those on our jousting poles. Wait, you you didn't chop up one of our jousting poles for kindling, did you? Well, there was this painted pole just lying there. I assumed it was marked specifically so it would be used as the kindling. It was really nice, hard, dry wood. Exactly what we like. Unbelievable. You did that deliberately, didn't you? I most certainly did not, good sir. Do you bite your thumb at me, madam? And we have a winner. The team on the left has boiled their water in about one minute. Incredible. That was some amazing wood chopping right there. Speaking of chopping, next up we have the Renaissance Festival log chopping event. Lord Bwadak, can you tell us how this event works? Lord Bwadak? Hmm, it seems he's run off now. Angie, do you happen to know how this event works? I can make a pretty good guess. I think they set a log in front of each competitor when they have to hack it in half using their broadswords. 
Honestly, madam, wherever did you hear that? Sword. Each competitor is given a log standing upright in front of them. At the sound of the starting drum, using their broad axe, they must flip the log along its length into four even pieces, then throw down their axe. The first one to finish is the winner. Very interesting. But how do the judges decide if the pieces are sufficiently even? Uh, it's actually quite ingenious. The center of each log is blackened in a one-inch circle on each end. In order to qualify, each of the four split pieces must have a discernible portion of the marking on each end. Wow, that sounds pretty difficult. <laughs> Indeed, it's a challenging task. Hey, that log looks familiar. Oh? That's, that's the winning sculpture of the chainsaw carving contest, Standing Meerkat. How did that get in there? One could see a vague animal form, I suppose. Uh, maybe it'll be more distinct once it's in four pieces. You scoundrel! Stop! Stop! Don't chop those logs! You rotter! Where's my hot saw? You haven't seen anything yet. Wow, this is too much for me to handle. This concludes our coverage of the Joint Lumberjack Contests. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you for that hard-hitting journalism. Now we turn to Community Beat to learn about good people doing great work in the real world. Actually worked perfectly for my schedule, so. Cool. I'm glad to hear it. By the way, uh, last name is it Chevalier? It is Chevalier, yes. Cool. I guess we can go ahead and get started. Hi, everybody. This is Michael. Um, I'm here with Gabrielle Chevalier. Um, we are talking about Green Spaces Chattanooga. Did I say that right? Or is it Green you Spaces? Did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Green Spaces. Cool. And I am signed up to. Um, to volunteer with y'all next weekend, and I'm excited about I think it's next weekend. It's November 19th and 20th, and I can't remember which day you're volunteering, actually, either that Friday or Saturday, but yeah, we're excited. Cool, cool. So <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, maybe you can kind of give us a crash intro onto what um, your organization is and does in the area. Sure. So Green Spaces is Chattanooga and the surrounding region sustainability nonprofit. Um, so we do a wide range of things that are actually pretty far outside of the realm of what people think about when they think about sustainability, right? You think birds and plants and trees and stuff. Um, but really, we focus on the sustainability of communities and how cities you know, organize around these people, whether that's transportation issues, whether it's, you know, lack of affordable energy utilities, um, working with landlords and, you know, home repair people to, to educate them on, you know, energy burden needs, right? If you're on a fixed income, that's huge. Um, and different ways and, you know, to, to build all the pieces of what makes a truly sustainable and, and healthy neighborhood and community. So our wide range of programs kind of all fall under that umbrella, but you would look at them and think they were very different, right? We help businesses, we help nonprofits become more energy efficient so that they can spend their money on the programs and important pieces of what their work is, um, and a wide range of other things. And we also work directly in the communities with cities on a policy level um, and have plenty of partnerships that make all that happen. So lots of, cool. lots of hands and lots of pots. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And I, I like hearing you talk about kind of figuring out how things connect to the community, because it's one thing to say, like, 
you know, okay, keep turning your lights off when you leave home, right? But then we're also, that, that also kind of impacts folks that are struggling to keep the lights on in the first place. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of overlap and all that. Absolutely. We're big into, you know, it's not just about individual accountability, right? If you're building a home and you're going to rent it out to someone and you don't update the utilities, you are sticking someone with a huge burden that's cost prohibitive. And that's actually a huge problem in the state of Tennessee. It's more regulated in other places. Um, but, you know, it's something that, that makes a massive difference in people's lives. We've worked with people in trailer park situations that have $300 plus utility bills. And if you're on a fixed income, it's it's truly impossible to escape the poverty level um, because you you can't save, you can't get ahead. Um, so we mm-hmm. also have a workforce development team that partners in tangent with some of our here's how we can you know help you fix your own home. Um, so if repairs are cost prohibitive that are bigger, we have a workforce development team that partners with a lot of sustainable builders in the area and AmeriCorps actually also. Man, that's a, yeah, you really do have uh, have a whole lot going. Yeah, we you know we we like to partner with other organizations if we notice that there is a space that that needs to be filled. But if someone else in the area isn't already doing it, um, that kind of tends to be how all of all of these programs get created is is based out of need um, to partner with an existing program, basically. For sure, yeah. Now, is Green Spaces is that a national organization? Is it grassroots? What you know? So we actually started. We um, were like a one-off grant about fifteen years ago, um, and you know have pivoted so many times since then and grown to be what we are. But really, you know, our goal is to prioritize the efficacy of our community impact programs, right? So. Um, eight years ago, almost nine now, maybe our Empower program started, and that's that energy burden program, you know, um, and then a few years after that was when the sustainable workforce program started, because we saw that need, we heard the community talk about it, and it, and it was a need that wasn't being met, um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, and <laughs> um, I'm happy to talk more about any specific program, though, if you have any questions. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of specific programs, we got the, the Green Pre coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier, so tell me, uh, you know, like I said, I'm new to Chattanooga, and I'm curious to see what's, what's going on. Yeah, so the Green Pre, actually, we're really excited. It's technically year four, but we had to postpone last year because of COVID, we were actually, people were unloading the race barriers the day of the race when we found out that Hamilton oh. County Schools had totally nixed everything. So we had a lot of really disappointed kids and teams. Um, and so we normally only have, you know, one race, but we're doing one this fall and one in the spring to make sure that everyone gets a chance to, to participate. Um, and we partner with, in totality, I think it's 45 schools in the area, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less. It depends on teacher availability and things like that um, and funding to, for the for the parts for the cars, quite frankly. Um, but it's our STEM program that helps students problem solve and learn how to build an electric vehicle and then brace them. So it's a lot of day of in the moment teamwork. It's also a lot of building. It's a lot of technical skill. And so it really introduces kids from elementary to high school to opportunities. Um, but the biggest opportunity is really, you know, the electrification of vehicles in general in the state of Tennessee is huge um, in terms of the plants that are coming in, right? So there's going to be a huge workforce need and a lot of opportunities and a wide range of jobs. 
um, which is a important because we want our students in our area to, to be getting these, these really lucrative jobs and these future forward jobs. But we also want to keep the money that everyone in the state of Tennessee who has to drive spends on gas in the state of Tennessee. Um, right now, billions of dollars, you know, are leaving the state of Tennessee and going to Texas, to Alaska, to other places. And if we're building these plants and building these cars and it's, it's our students learning to do it, you're talking about millions and billions of dollars. So it's exciting. Right. Yeah, I actually just found the article. I was trying to find a quote, the number. It's $94 billion on gas and diesel in the Southeast. And two thirds of that goes to states outside of this region. So if you talk about keeping $94 billion in the state of Tennessee, that's, you know, massive. That See, there you go. Again, hitting the, the kind of community angle of sustainability in a way that I wouldn't have thought of if you hadn't just spelled it out to me. It's such a big leap, you know, you don't think about that when you're in elementary school. But I also have spoken to so many adults who are like, wow, if that program had existed when I was in school, I probably would have a totally different career because I wanted to build, but I had no outlet to do that, you know, or to fail at technology in a way that was okay and learn and experiment. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. And it's just fun to watch them race. You know, the high schoolers cars obviously go way faster than the elementary schoolers, but, um, but yeah, some of those get up to like 30 to 50 miles an hour. Some teachers have clocked it at. So that's awesome. Now these cars, are we, are we talking kind of like Pinewood Derby or are these like, do they have a passenger? So they're, they're little one seater cars. Um, we have two models. We've got one for the younger students that comes with like a boxed kit. And then we have some students that design their own. Um, and you have like a sleeker model for the older students, which helps with the speed, obviously. Sure. Um, <laughs> so there's kind of a multitude of options. Some schools go really all in and make modifications to their cars. You know, sometimes it depends on the time. Sometimes it depends on the size of the team kind of varies year after year. So we'll do the qualifying races beforehand to make sure everyone's placed in the right categories. Cool. That'll be awesome. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any like cool, memorable stories or like what, what is your favorite thing about Green Spaces Chattanooga? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, there's so many things. I love my role now as the communications and volunteer coordinator it looks very different from um, pre-pandemic world and what people might think. For sure, um, yeah. But really, you know, what I love most is that eight years ago, I was a journalist who wrote about our Empower program. And now here I am, you know, getting to talk about it and its impact in a whole different way. And so, you know, really making sure that we prioritize the community side and, you know, asking questions and making sure that that we show up to be effective, right, rather than just talking about birds and plants and trees, which we all love also. Of course. If folks want to get involved or learn more or anything like that, where can we find you? Yeah, so greenspaceschattanooga.org and Chattanooga for people outside the area is C-H-A-T-T-I-N-O-O-G-A, Chattanooga. Um, And it's, yeah, greenspaceschattanooga.org or you can email me directly at Gabrielle, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E at greenspaceschattanooga.org. Awesome, cool. And I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes. Awesome. Cool. Well, Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us on Jollyville Radio. We wish you the best of the best. Of course. And welcome to Chattanooga. Thanks for listening to Community Beat on Jollyville Radio. My name is Michael Crosa, encouraging you to get out there and make a difference.
Episodes 305 and 306 of Jollyville Radio feature the talents of Uncle Nassaro Cable on, Emily Anthony, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Richie Derry, Brian Green, Robert Leary, Thomas Schlitt, J.B. Skirlock, Michael Stanley, Matt Waite, and KY's Denton. Special appearance by Bob Don of the Hit Notes and Bob Short Story Hour podcast. Jollyville Radio is a member of the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. The recording was made in accordance with social distancing. Direction and music by Michael Croso with social media help from Emily Ansonek. Our talented editors are Jamie Davis, Richard Dayries, and Dr. Monse Santillan. Credits were read by the writers of episodes 305 and 306. They are Uncle Asar Alkabalan, Emily Ansonek, Michael Croza, Brian Green, and KY's Denti. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. If you would like to support the financial success of Jollyville Radio, you can find us on Patreon.com. We have all kinds of goodies to say thank you to our sponsors, including letters from characters such as this one from Kitty Westlake. Kitty Westlake, letter of gratitude, part five of six. Oh, my dear liege, my patron, without your ever so generous deep pockets, KJVR would neither have the influence and power, nor could Jollyville Radio generate the enthusiasm and reach both far and wide to have the overwhelming and beneficent impact it does on people's lives. As you know, my pet, audio files all over not to mention those right here in Jollyville, well, they do pay attention to the treasure trove that is Miss Kitty's endless warehouse of wit and wisdom. Oh, my liege, just think of all the benefit countless listeners derive from the inspiring and insightful programming right here at KJVR. (laughs) My show in particular, that you... Our dear patron, and my personal patootie, provide and sponsor due solely to your generous, awesome gifts and donations and your undying support. Yours truly, ever and ever, I do say ever, Miss Kitty. To become a monthly patron of our show, just go to patreon.com slash Radio. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.